everyone, and welcome to the Bloke and the Bird Show. We know it's been a while. There hadn't been a lot going on, but we had been planning on doing a show last week. Um, the I don't even remember at this point what happened. I, well, see, that that's the thing is, you know, March had about 40 days, and <laughs> we're on April 12th, and it feels like this month has already been eight years long. Well, I don't know if you got this text, but I got a text this past week that said, until further notice, the days of the week are now known as this day, that day, other day, someday, yesterday, today, and next day. That is the days of the week. Use them wisely. We no longer have things like Monday. We, we have quarantine Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays. They okay. don't exist anymore. Got it. Anyway, we were going to record last week. It was our plan. Um, unfortunately, I was not feeling well. Now, to be clear, this was... Uh, uh, my, my stomach was bothering me. It was not <laughs> not a coronavirus. You... There, were, there was none of those symptoms. I, I had an upset stomach and went... It was probably learned, jelly bean abuse. It, it could have been. But we have learned that if one of us is not feeling well... It's better not to do the show because it becomes a slog for everybody involved. Yes, especially the one that is actually well. Um, yeah. yeah, I was going to say, now I remember that. I mean, last week feels like it was a month ago. Yeah. Every day. It, it's it. This quarantine thing is for the birds. I mean, honestly. And I get it. And I'm pro flattening the curve and we're supporting it and we're staying home and we're doing all the things that we're supposed to do um i will tell you this oh well let's, see, let's before, before you, you you jump off there i was going to say you know you've been talking this week seemed like it went forever now you know what it's like to visit toledo ohio yes it was spent a week, week there, there one, one day, day. <laughs> <laughs> yes that is this is toledo ohio um no um this past week a bunch of my friends that have a group chat that you know it's their friends group mm -hmm. um somebody mentioned then i thought this was a really great idea was what is the positives that have come out i mean we're all complaining that we all miss places you know the ability to go places yeah. um you know there's so much of our life that is going and things like that the question is what positive have you felt as part of being told that you have to be at home it's you know you're you're raising your eyebrow going nothing is positive <laughs> there's been nothing about this that's been good but that's not true we've cooked more we've explored new rush um, recipes that we yeah. have never ever considered um we've we've watched a lot of tv together that we don't normally watch together yeah um you know you've lost in your video game f1 uh f1 video game to your son no not not f1 we we do not have the f1 game for oh yes for we're what? playing project cars okay we, we we do not have the f1 game but you, you did I, lose you know, you know I, I briefly seeing all the drivers who are doing all the esports stuff I, and and everything it was I, I briefly thought about it mm -hmm. and then alex alvin showed a picture of his rig that he's using to drive and i went no <laughs> no way uh-uh not happening yeah that that would not be a permissible expense <laughs> during uh quarantine no. um but 
you know, uh, you've we've gotten some nice sunny days. I mean, glorious spring in the greater Chicago area. Okay, in the last month, I can count the number of glorious sunny days that you wanted to be outside on one hand and still have fingers left over. The weather has sucked. Well, okay, welcome to spring in Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> but wasn't it really cool? Like, when we got that first absolutely glorious day, every one of our neighbors, like, emerged from our houses, and we all stood in our own lawn and screamed at each other? Yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so I'm just trying to say, you know, take a moment and... Think about some of the positive things that have come out of this. Um, it has been an opportunity for the world to slow down a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then let's go back to our complaining that we don't have places to go. <laughs> yeah, there's that too. And every uh, trip I have had planned has now been canceled. Yeah, that kind of sucks. All right. So unfortunately, we have to start with a bit of, of sad news. Actually, it, it, it's really sad news. Um, woke up this morning to the news that uh, Sir Sterling Moss had died overnight at age 90. So we, we've talked about Sir Sterling before, and, and I, I know he has made some controversial, almost Bernie-esque comments. Yeah, he's not my favorite driver. But he, I mean, when you look at his history and, and, and the things that he has done, he is certainly a... A character in motorsport that will be missed. As a character in motorsport, yes, he will be missed. And it is always sad for one of our legends to pass. And, and Sir Sterling is, he's known as basically the greatest racing driver who has never won a Formula One World Championship. Yes. Um, so he was one of the leading drivers of the 50s, if not the leading driver of the 50s. Um won the 1955 Millie Miglia for Mercedes, the 1958, 1959, and 1959 Nürburgring 1000 and the 1959 Taurus Trophy, all for Aston Martin, and then moved over to Formula One starting in 1954. Took him a year before Mercedes signed him, and he got his first world championship F1 win at Aintree, leading a Mercedes one, two, three, and four. Oh wow! Um, he was the runner-up for the world championship in 1955, um, again in 1956 with Maserati, and in 57 and in 58, both with Van Wall. Um, but it was his defeat in 1958 that really made him change his views on the world championship because he had four wins that year. Ferrari's Mike. Hawthorne, who won the championship, only had one victory. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was the the way the points worked back then. Mm. Um, they, they Obviously, they've changed it dramatically. Um, but it was the way the points were calculated it was how that shook out. Um, his He was also uh, the person who scored the first world championship F1 success with a rear-engine car. Because in the early 50s, the thought of putting an engine behind the driver, that was like heresy. The yeah. engines were always up front. Um, and also the only F1 win for a, four, a four-wheel drive car, which was the Ferguson, at Alton Park in 1961. Uh, he was also, he was very involved in rallying where his sister Pat was a big name. 
Yes. Um, he was the undisputed uh, world's best for four seasons in rallying, uh, or uh, in Formula One, rather, uh, but decided to move to Ferrari. Uh, unfortunately, in Easter on Easter Monday of 1962, he had a fairly major crash and, and he still has the steering wheel fully he's got it on display <laughs> in his office uh major crash at goodwood uh which left him in a coma uh took him several months to recover and what he realized after his recovery was he, he pretty much lost the nerve mm. he didn't have the the willingness to break as late and to dive as deep into corners and the speed that he used to have before the accident at which point he decided to retire. And at that point, basically his fame was being Sterling Moss. <laughs> True. Um, now, he was also quite a playboy. Yes, he was. Um, so there, there is, I think it was from 2012. No, it was later. It was when Sebastian Vettel got his fourth uh, world championship. So that was thir- 14. No, I think that was 2012 was his last one. Because we started watching in 2012. He, he got one in 13 also. Then maybe it was 13 was his last one. Um, but at the Autosport Awards, he's sitting there at, at the table and he's got Sir Sterling sitting next to him. And Sterling mentions the fact that, you know, I've got all these wins. I've done all of this stuff, um, but I don't have any titles. And here you've got Sebastian Vettel who he's been in the sport for a whole lot, you know, j- just a few years, and he's got four, four world championships. And Sebastian Vettel looked at me and goes, yes, but you've charmed more women than I have. <laughs> <laughs> Probably the yeah, very, yeah. very true statement. Certainly known for that stuff. One of the other things that he's known for was um, in his late, Actually, it was his early 80s. Falling down an elevator shaft in his apartment. Yes. Now, we learned this through a special that Patrick Stewart... Yes. Patrick Stewart... Um, did with Sir Sterling. And apparently, the story is... And it's an incredibly sweet story. It's a great story. It's, and, and we'll po- post a link to it because the show is available on YouTube. Okay. Um, it's called Racing Legends, Sir Sterling Moss. Mm-hmm. And Patrick Stewart idolized Sir Sterling Moss growing up. And mm-hmm. I didn't realize how big of a F1 fan Patrick really is. Yes. Um, a very big fan of watching cars drive go fast. And much like me, not a fan of driving them very fast. Yes. Um, but he interviewed Sir Sterling. But what really caught me was, and in case you don't know this, Patrick Stewart grew up in an incredibly abusive household. Mm-hmm. Sir Sterling Moss's home was around the corner in the neighborhood of where Patrick Stewart grew up. And Patrick used to walk down the street to like catch a glimpse of this idol that he had because that was the that was the good thing that he had in his life yeah. when his dad was beating <clears throat> the heck out of him. So it's a, I mean, it's incredibly sweet story of Patrick watching and wanting to be part of Sterling's world. Yeah, there, there's a, a lot more to it, and it's 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 about an hour long show. Um, the culmination of the show is Patrick Stewart driving, I think, one of Sir Sterling's 
uh, Jaguars mm-hmm. that he raced in around Silverstone. And it's going either very Jaguar slow. Or, actually, I think it was one of the Mercedes. And going very slowly. Yes, well. <laughs> <laughs> and I think Sterling, Sterling gave him a little bit of a hard time about that, too. Yeah. Um, but no, it was a very good show. It really... It exposed Sterling for the Playboy and some of the commentary, particularly on women, um, that he had. But the sweetness of Patrick Stewart, yeah, is if you don't like him now, you will fall in love with him <laughs> at the end of that show. So take an hour. You're quarantined. What else are you gonna do? Um, and watch it. Definitely watch it. So yeah, we'll put that up in the show notes. So. some other news that has happened while we were gone and I figured it was better to put it at the front of it as much as it it is very different from what we've just had to talk about Um, but we get news from Formula One's Bridge Troll Emeritus (laughs) I think this piece of news disturbs you more than anything else we've ever talked about so 89 year old Bernie Eccleston who Uh will be turning 90 later this year has announced the due date for his fourth child, a boy who will be born this July to his 44-year-old wife, Fabiana. Oh, my word. Yeah. So, as I mentioned, fourth child... Are we sure multiple, it's his? Multiple marriages. His oldest daughter. Mm-hmm. You ready for this one? Is Deborah. She's 65. Okay, now I'm deaf. <laughs> <laughs> we have Deborah at 65, Tamara at 35, and Petra at 31. He's also the granddaughter, grandfather of five, and he has a great grandchild. Okay. So you're telling me that the grand uncle will be older than his great nephew? Yeah, yeah. The whole thing is what? Fabiana wanted a child. Okay. Unicorn chaser. Wait. Before we go too far into the unicorn, before I go into the unicorn chaser, I've got okay. one. I'm ready for you. But you are disturbed by the fact that Bernie is 89 years old. No, I'm disturbed by the fact that Bernie is 89 years old and... Um, procreating. Yes. <laughs> he is doing the deeds that lead to procreation. Now, I will put it that way. You don't know that. But anyway. He has done something that has led to this to occur. <laughs> okay, you are a little fixated on that part. Um, you and I are very close to his current wife's age. Thank God for you didn't say close to him in age. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, we are nowhere close to 89 years old, but we are very close to his current wife's age. And I mention this from the standpoint of... We're older than her? Yes. The very thought of having a newborn at this age of my life is absolutely a horrendous idea. 
So, I mean, as much as it's... Dis- there is nothing about this is, that is good. No. As much as you are disturbed about Bernie, I am disturbed about the fact that, yo, we're looking forward to that world of grandchildren, you know, college graduations and that kind of thing, not mm. newborns. All right. So, unicorn chasers. Yeah, we, we, we need a unicorn chaser out of, out of this. Too. So... Are you following the Mercedes AMG Twitter feed? Of course I am. Of course you are. So then you know that Mercedes, their art department has gone absolutely into full-on let's entertain the masses mode. Actually, I'm not sure it's their art department or their partner Epson. Could be. Because Epson is a sponsor of the team. Could be their partner. Well, somebody has gone overboard. So if you would like to have your own Toto... Lewis or Valtteri, you can print them out and build your own. Um, they're little block figures. They're like they're, paper. They're kind fold. of like Minecraft. Yeah. Because they're made out of paper. Yeah. They're little block figures. Um, and then they are asking that if you take video of them, particularly if Toto banging his fist on the desk, yes. that they will then repost it on Twitter. So that's one opportunity you have to bring Toto, Lewis, and Valtteri into your home. Um, I will say this. They're a little disturbing to look at flat. Um, I started to try to cut one out. They're not hard, but you do need an X-Acto knife. So I hope that yeah. you have an X-Acto knife at your house. We do have one. Um, but the other thing that you can look for on their feed is a Where's Toto coloring sheet. <laughs> Much like Where's Waldo, you too could find Toto. Is is this a socially distant Toto? Uh, no, it was in the oh. crowd. You gotta find. It's like Where's Waldo. Where's Waldo was never socially distant. He would be so much easier to find if he followed socially distant guidelines. Well, yeah, <laughs> but he always showed up in places where red and white shirts were the thing to wear. Yeah, well. so. Anyway, so you could do Where's Toto or you could build your own block drivers. It's a build a driver is what it's called. Okay. Um, so you have the link and you'll put it up in the show notes. Yeah. So. So news of what's been going on with Formula One, how they've been adapting and dealing with all of the events that are happening. So um, I think we had mentioned in, in the last time we had had a show that uh, a collective of the teams were getting together under the Project Pit Lane banner to research um, making ventilators and other protective gear. Well, what has come out of that so far is Mercedes has designed a CPAP device, uh, a continuous positive airway pressure device. I'm assuming this is the same thing that you use if you got sleep apnea. Apparently, CPAPs can be used because they help keep the airway open um, they can help keep patients out of intensive care. Right. And in this country, uh, so that's <clears throat> the UK, but in this country mm-hmm. recently, the FDA has approved the use of CPAPs and another version of that type of, of uh, positive airflow um, as an alternative to ventilators. It's not mm-hmm. a ventilator, but the reality is what you are looking for is to push air yeah. and thus you need a set of bellows and it doesn't matter if they they don't have to be sophisticated bellows that's a CPAP or they can be highly sophisticated bellows like the ventilators that are in the ICUs but pushing air through the lungs which is what helps people 
heal that are having respiratory distress is a good thing. So a CPAP machine being built by Mercedes, I mean, do you think that it's like silver and nifty looking? I I, I don't think they've, they've gone that far. So what this was, it was a combination of the engineers at Mercedes AMG's high performance powertrain uh, division over in Bricksworth. They're the ones who build the engines for, for the Formula One cars. And mechanical engineers from University College in London came up with this design. Bricksworth has actually been essentially fully converted over for the production of these devices and ventilators and other stuff. But it's been approved for use by the NHS in the UK for treatment of patients. I think that's awesome. Um, some of the the models that are coming out and looking at preparedness by country, the UK in particular, um, and there's another European country, are very far behind in stockpiles of ventilators. Their, their need is growing faster than they can produce them. So it's awesome that these industries are dropping everything and building this stuff because yeah. they need them. But that's not all the stuff that's going on. Remember Ron Dennis? Yes. Everything should be at 67 degrees. And and, and that McLaren's going to win the next championship with a Honda engine. Right. That too. Um, Ron is spearheading a new initiative called SaluteTheNHS.org. Again, very obviously very focused in the UK because that's where, where the factories and all are. Uh, but called SaluteTheNHS.org, which will provide high-quality meals to NHS workers for the next three months for free. Nice. Um, he has personally donated one million pounds to the effort, uh, but he's also got uh, support from Tesco, Absolute Taste, and Yodel in the UK to help set this up. That's awesome. Um, but the the thing that really blew me away is Mario Azola. So Mario Azola, reminder, we haven't talked about Mario in a while. He's the head of Pirelli motorsport tire division you know, the, the, the division that builds the tires for f1 and all of the other stuff mario has been on the front line of the medical response in milan italy because he's not only is he the president of this division over at pirelli he's also a volunteer paramedic and ambulance driver uh in milan that is so cool. And and this isn't like, oh, something happened, so I'm going to get involved. He's been doing this since he's been like a teenager. Oh, wow. Th- this is not like, well, you know, what this am I going to do? Volunteer, Let's go help. This is his no, volunteer. This is what he normally does. Now, because he's been doing this so long, he, he's got agreements in place because, you know, he can't do the normal volunteer schedules that most of their folks can do because of his commitments to Formula One and his commitments to Pirelli and stuff like that. So what he typically does is he takes all the time that, that he should do throughout the year, he takes it over the holidays and like works all these shifts back to back to back to back oh, wow. so that he can do his volunteer time and, and participate and keep everything fresh. Oh, that is so cool. Yeah. Okay, that that right there is the unicorn chaser you were looking for. <laughs> So, other news. Um, not unexpectedly, I think, the, the, the teams are, are now adapting to the income situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, once one announced, the others started to domino from there. Uh, for starters, 
um, McLaren was the first one to announce that um, Carlos Sain- both Carlos Sainz and Lando had taken pay cuts, uh, but also that they were furloughing a significant portion of their staff. Oh, wow. Um, not long after that, Williams announced the same thing, um, that their drivers were taking pay cuts and furloughing staff. But they also announced that uh, they had gotten a fairly large influx of money, being called a, a refinancing. Um, you remember we talked about that they sold off the Williams Advanced Engineering Division. Mm-hmm. Apparently the other thing that they did, and they just closed on the deals, is they took out some fairly substantial loans with HSBC. Oh, wow. Um, to the point that they have basically mortgaged their facilities and put up a good portion of their historic cars as collateral. Ouch. That's scary. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a gamble, but, oh, I hope it works out for them. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll see where that shakes out. A little concerned about it. But on the other side of it, if they fail as a company, those historic cars aren't <clears throat> going to mean anything anyway. That can't save well, them. It, it can't save them, um, but the, they're, those are assets that will get seized by the bank. They can't use them to liquidate to raise money. Right. That's but the bigger They're, concern. in essence, using them to liquidate, to raise yeah. They're raising the money today. You know, but if but that, also, if, if you think about what we know of the history of Williams and the things that Claire telling the stories of the bailiffs knocking on the door to collect on unpaid loans and pass due invoices and mom having the kids hide behind the couch. Yeah. So th- this isn't a position that they're not unfamiliar with. Yeah. And they've gotten through it before. Yep. Um, we also got word Racing Point has furloughed some, pos- some portion of their staff. Now, even though this has happened... Uh, Lawrence has closed on the deal around Aston Martin, and it is official that Aston Martin will come in, will return to the sport and replace the Racing Point name for 2021 with with the team running as the Aston Martin Works F1 team. Okay. Um, Formula One has now announced that they are furloughing a significant portion of their staff, and their leadership is taking pay cuts, including Ross Braun and. You know the group up that, that running the sport. Um, Renault and Haas have also announced that they have furloughed staff as well. So we'll see where things go. Um, they are for the the sport is working to make adjustments to try and save money for the teams. They're, they still have not figured out a lot of this stuff. You know, we mentioned that, that the rules are getting pushed back to 2022. Christian Horner is saying that, that uh, there's a group that is actually pushing them to get pushed to 2023. Um, the shutdown that had been originally scheduled for three weeks has now been extended to five weeks. Um, part of it's because obviously they can't do a whole lot, but the other is... Uh, they're hoping that they can free up a bit more time over the summer to start having races once that can start happening. Um, but one of the other things that you know really drove them to, to keep the, the factory shut down is the fact that um, 
the teams have agreed unanimously that not only are they pushing the rules back to tw- the, the originally planned rules for 2021 to push them to 2022, but they have also instituted a development freeze on those packages, on those cars, until next year. Oh, wow. So the teams can't do any development work around those cars this year, period. So the anticipated like big teams, you know, dumping tons of money into those cars to develop them this year isn't happening. Well, that's that's the other thing that occurred. So originally when we had heard that they were pushing the rules back, we were under the impression that the cost cap was getting pushed as well. It turns out the cost cap is not getting pushed back. Mm. So what the original scenario that everybody saw happening if, if we didn't have the the virus and everything had gone through as planned was that the development work for the 20 the expected 2021 cars was going to happen throughout this year without a cost cap because the cost cap was coming for 2021 and at future development work from 2021 would be covered by the cost cap they're not moving the date that that cost cap becomes effective and they're pushing back when teams can start working on those rule packages. So now all that development work has a cost cap involved with it. Nice. There is also talk. We don't know. It's it's not unanimous, but there is apparently a faction that is pushing for the cost cap to actually be lowered. Mm. So even less money can go to those things. Correct. Wow. Um, it, it does sound like uh, there are some teams that are against it. Um, the sus- my suspicion is Ferrari is one of them. Now Ferrari has turned around and said, "Look, you know, coming in from what we have seen coming out of winter testing, we don't believe that we've got a strong car. We're willing to go and push back the rules. We're willing to take the hit around development. They're even willing to support. There's talk of." putting in an engine freeze for development for the next year or so, um, as well as some other restrictions around developing the cars. And Ferrari says, you know, we're willing to do that, even though it's going to leave us at a disadvantage with this car because we don't think it's a stronger car. But we also want Formula One to make the decisions that it's going to make for the right reasons and not to work off emotion. Mm-hmm. So that, that I think is why they may be pushing on lowering the cost cap a bit more is, you know, we're willing to do a bunch of stuff right now, but for the future, we, we got to have a fighting chance here. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see where that goes. Okay. Well, I mean, I get, I, I'm get. i sad that people are getting furloughed and all of those things, but I'm glad to think see that people are trying to think about what the next steps are going to look like, what the future really could be, and how to make that all work out. So some of the other changes that have been agreed to. We already knew that under the new rule package that uh, Mercedes DAS system wasn't going to be allowed. Mm -hmm. Mercedes has agreed that even though for 2021 we're staying with the same rule package, um, they're agreeing to uh, have DAS outlawed next year as well. We don't know if they're going to run it this year, but it's definitely not running next year. I still would like to see it run. I'm kind of interested in how that would work. Um, there's talk about freezing development of the engines. There's also talk, and it was ridiculously complicated when they did it last time, so I hope they don't do it. I think it was in 2013 
where they rolled out those tokens around engine development. And you could only, where you could develop depending on how many tokens you had and certain parts of the engine had more tokens than others to develop. They're talking about doing that again as a cost-cutting measure. Oh, that hurt my brain. Yeah. But what it did allow for was development of parts of the engine without that whole, you can only have three engines for the entire season. You know, they could do bits and pieces. So they need to be able to do something. Otherwise, we're going to have a repeat of 2019. Mm -hmm. So let's think about what that looks like. Um, and think about what, what you could change, but still be reasonable. I mean, the reality is they've got, they've got to save some of these small teams and give them a fighting chance for something. Yeah. Um, you know, we talked, we've talked about it before, but there's a risk of losing up to four teams just from finances. At, at a minimum. And, and. Clearly, with the fact that Formula One is furloughing staff as well, they're feeling the pinch. And and, and we'll talk a little more because I've I've got some other questions around money and and how income is going to get generated later in the year. So let's hit that when we we get to some stuff. We're about to talk about the calendar stuff. Okay. And that ties into it. So first of all, uh, the Canadian Grand Prix has now been officially postponed as well. Okay. Um, which means that, according to the calendar, the French Grand Prix on June twenty eighth is currently the, currently the first race of the season. We're hoping that's not going to stay the first race of the yeah. season for completely selfish reasons. However, if they miss the if they postpone the French Grand Prix. One of the things that BBC was talking about was the idea of it might make a lot of sense. It's the French Grand Prix, then the Austrian Grand Prix, then Mm -hmm. the British Grand Prix. But it might make great sense that the opener becomes the British Grand Prix. The thought being that the majority of the teams are already in the UK. And depending on what the UK situation is from a healthcare response... It might be like the easiest one to at least have a race because so many are already there. Yeah, and, and one of the things that's been discussed, and I'm going to loop back to that in a second. Okay. One of the things that, that, that Mattia Bonotto was actually the first one to put out there, is, and he says that there is support for this idea of coming when the season launches to have what he's calling a super season. Something very similar to what Formula E does that, you know, it, it, it start, it'll start this year, but it may not end until January of 2021. Okay. Um, the idea being, and, and all the teams really want to do, and the same thing with Formula One, of try to get as many races in as they can. And there's money. a lot of reason. <laughs> money is, is the, big, the big thing for it. Um, we still don't know how that's going to work out. Now, what Ross Braun has said, he, he believes that July is going to be probably the most likely time that they can spin things up. Okay. Um, th- there's a lot of things that they got to figure out here. Um, he would prefer that instead of it being a flyaway race, that it be something that starts in Europe, which would mean France would be a possibility, Austria would be a possibility. So would Silverstone. Mm-hmm. Um, 
he thinks that if they can start in July, especially if there's openness to going all the way into January, um, that they could possibly slot in as many as 19 races. Wow. The idea being that they would build out a schedule that would be three back-to-back weeks, a week off, then three back-to-back weeks and a week off, and, and work your way through. Um, I, I, I kind of question as to whether or not they could actually pull it off, though. Mm. Because it's not simply a matter of saying, okay, we're going to hold an event this week, and we'll hold an event that week. And we're... The venues have to be available. Right. I don't know that all the, the venues are going. I mean, we know Monaco can't do it. There's a, well, if they've got to reschedule, there's probably a really strong chance that um, Singapore can't reschedule. Okay, so here's the thing. Okay. Um, I think you won't have as much of a problem rescheduling tracks because keep in mind, every other event that was supposed to be at the track is all up in the air. So the tracks are going to have to redo their their schedules so you look at a silverstone they're going to be looking at when can i start opening again and then every event that i've had planned for the calendar at silverstone is all going to be up for grabs but it depends on the event it's the road races that you're going to have the bigger problem with because it shuts down a city well there's that that that's one issue but what you're missing with tracks is that the tracks like hungary or Bahrain, or you know, a couple of the others that really the only event that goes on there all year is the Formula One race, mm-hmm. and there's nothing. Those are easy. Yep. But a track like Silverstone, uh, a track like um, probably Monza, and several of these other tracks that are used for other series, whether that's WEC, whether that's MotoGP, whether that's you know. British touring cars and, and German touring, whatever, they're also trying to cram in races in that those same windows. I completely and, yeah. and, and that's going to be the issue for a lot of these tracks is trying to deconflict between all of these series that they have traditionally hosted that they generate revenue off of. Because all right, club weekends are easy. Punt them. Right well, I was going to say the first thing you do is you you punt everything that doesn't make you buckets of money mm-hmm. you're gonna pump every club weekend well okay i'm i'm looking at mid ohio as a mm-hmm. example and mid ohio is in the middle of nowhere and i get it they had four major events in yep. a year but you look at that their summer calendar is chock-a-block full mm-hmm. so if you with what they've lost if you lose half their summer you would on the surface say well how are you going to slot everything in well you punt every car show or car club car weekend you punt um the the feeder stuff for the motorcycle stuff that comes through and now you've got weekends that are open and what you can do is you can take the the weekends for like it's not going to be as seamless as we're going to do europe and then we're going to do flyaway races it's going to wind up being hungry you know hungry's available so hungry could have any of the weekends in september but silverstone is only available this one week you know this is the weekend we can grab silverstone so we're going to slot silverstone it's unmovable and now we can get 
So they're going to go Silverstone. They're going to go to Singapore. I mean, they're going to wind up going back and forth and freight's going to go up well, exponentially. That, that's one of the things that they're... And, and my understanding is they're starting to have these conversations. So Ross Braun's been talking about some of this. He says that obviously... Uh, and, and not just this, but also keeping everybody safe and keeping mm-hmm. everything contained. He says, obviously, travel for the teams and travel for everyone involved is going to be one of the big issues. You could argue that once we get there, we could become fairly self-contained. Our view is that probably a European start will be favorable, and that could even be a closed event. We could have a very enclosed environment where teams come in on charters. We channel them into the circuit. We make sure everyone is tested, cleared. There is no risk to anyone, and we have a race with no spectators. That's not great, but it's better than no racing at all. I think we have to remember there are millions of people who follow the sport sat at home. A lot of them are isolating, and to be able to put on a sport and keep the sport alive and entertain people would be a huge bonus with this crisis we have. But we can't put anyone at risk. We're, and this is the, the, the other key piece right here. We're looking at the organizational structure that would give us the earliest start, but also the ability to maintain that start. Because that's the next thing yeah. we don't want to have is okay, we get to a point where we can safely have a couple of races, but we need to go to an area that is still not safe. We don't want to go and pause again because there's an area that's seeing another spike or something along those lines or that an illness gets into the paddock and starts running around. The other thing that is a concern and, and that they've got to sort out is some of these facilities as it stands today assuming that the the light switch came on and, and we were good and we could start hosting some of these facilities still can't um silverston in particular the medical facility has been turned over to the nhs for Correct. treatment um the same thing in melbourne that facility and technically yes that is a street circuit but melbourne says that they can reschedule i don't know how Mm-hmm. Melbourne says that they can reschedule, but the facilities that are there, and those are actually permanent facilities because there's other athletic stuff there. Those have been turned over to the state for health care. And, and several of the other tracks, they've done that as well. Um, even though it's not an active facility, um, the complex where the Indian Grand Prix used to be held, the Bud International Circuit, uh, that is being used as a quarantine facility. The track itself is cordoned off and, and the, the track facilities, but all the surrounding area that was built as part of that, they're using that as a quarantine facility for migrant workers. Well, I mean, I think that's awesome ideas. The reality is you can't have a race. You can't start having a race until the country that you're going to mm-hmm. is... Can handle it. Can, can handle what they're currently going you know if Mm -hmm. they are still in overflow hospitalization you can't have a race there yeah and i mean that's the that's the problem where i really i appreciate the sensitivity ross braun is having is okay so maybe bahrain could have a race but or we could we could have a race at bahrain but we have no place to go after that yeah and so we have to be careful. Or you look at like the Chinese Grand Prix, you know, just throwing this one out there. Mm-hmm. China's starting to open back up because they have gotten past their lockdowns. Now they're they're bracing for wave two, and I get all of yeah. that. But they've gotten past their lockdowns. They get a little bit further down the road and go, okay, we can actually breathe a sigh of relief here. Well, 
that opens that race up as being an amazing unicorn chaser. Except we don't have any place we can go after that. Yeah. So if you so can't they, they want to be able to start a season, not a, a race. race. Which, you know, just goes to beg the whole debacle with Melbourne, you know, and how late yeah. that got called. The, the other thing that is probably going to need to happen, and especially if they're looking at 19 races and looking at 19 races to go all the way through into January, mm-hmm. is they've got to start looking at what they can do for weather as well. Weather is going to play a big deal as you get into the winter. Yeah, you can start off the summer in even into October in Europe. But after that, you got to start paying attention to where else you can go and what other options are available to you. And they're limited to grade one circuits. Right. Now, one of the things that Silverstone has come out and said is that they are open to... And, and when, I re- when I read this article, at first I was like, hey, that's cool. And I was like, well, wait a minute. Given everything that's gone on with Silverstone, the fact that they're open to say Formula One, we're not only willing to have you once this year if if you need to, we'll have you more than once. Mm-hmm. Given all the contractual issues and everything, that was kind of stri- striking to me. Yeah. Um, but Silverstone ha- has gone to Formula One and said we're willing to host multiple events. And oh, by the way, if you want to do at least one of those events in the reverse circuit, so instead of I think right now they run. They run counterclockwise? No, they run clockwise at, at Silverstone. I think they run clockwise. They would run... Anti-clockwise. They, they would run run counterclockwise. Anti-clockwise is what yes, they call in it the in the UK. I like it better that way. Yeah, they would be willing to do a reverse of that circuit, which several of the drivers are all excited about. We know that Imola has jumped up and down and said, ooh, ooh, we, we, we'd host a race if you want to come, mm-hmm. you know. Doors are open. Come on. But I think that's going to be one of the other considerations is what other grade one circuits are going to have favorable weather in safe areas around the times that they're going to be willing to race. Yeah. And they can race. I would assume if they can, they wouldn't touch Monza's traditional date and and they wouldn't touch Spa's traditional date if they can pull that off. But some of these other areas... Would they go back to Asia and do stuff? I mean, Singapore shouldn't need to be touched. Mm-hmm. But Japan, I, you know, I don't know what the weather's like. Or Japan's one of those countries, you know, all four seasons, depending on where you are. So I don't know where Suzuki well, is in that. We do know that it gets pummeled by typhoons. Well, and also keep in mind that Japan is... They're going through more shutdowns. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it, it, there's so much that we don't know. And I think that's the thing that everybody has to understand is that right now, no one knows when this is going to be, well, when anybody's going to get to blow the whistle and go, there's an all clear. Yeah. Because I don't think, my just my gut says that, just because it gets an all clear in one country or even in one hemisphere, the way people travel, and this has definitely moved in travel, 
you could you could tamp it down in one hemisphere for a while, but the minute people start moving again, it could start spreading all over again. Right, and yeah. we're easily eighteen months away from a vaccine. Yeah. So, and at some point, and this is the hardest part about saying it out loud. At some point, we have to get to that point where we know that we have a percentage of the population that is recovered and thus immune to allow people to start moving around because the continued infections would be below the healthcare threshold. I mean, that's why the flu is not that big a deal Mm -hmm. is because we can keep it under the threshold that the healthcare providers can deal with. This is so problematic because it's hitting, it hits that threshold and exceeds it too fast. So back to our topic, because this is, this is the other question that I have. And, and I haven't been able to get an answer from, from anybody that we normally talk because I don't think nobody, I don't think anybody has an answer to this question. So as you'll recall, when Formula One goes, hosts an event at a track, this isn't like, you know, a club weekend at a track where a club goes and pays the track and says, we're going to use it give it, you know, for the facilities and and staffing and and pays the track for that stuff. This is the other way around. The tracks and the event promoters pay Formula One. Correct. And they make money off of the event from the ticket sales, from the concessions, from all of that other ancillary stuff that happens at the track from having fans at the track. So if you host a race behind closed doors, how do these event promoters, how do these tracks make money off of the event? Where is the attraction for them to host a Formula One event without fans? So here's what I'm, I would bet. Okay. My bet would be that they'd waive the hosting fee or... Do work out some agreement where Formula One would come in and say, okay, we get it. The track makes the money off the fans. Formula One makes the money off the hosting fee. We got to come up with a restructure if we got to do this without fans. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the way it would work, but nobody's going to make a whole lot of money off of that combination but it's got to be a goodwill gesture. I mean, the, the only money that I can think of that gets collected in a situation like that is Formula One gets broadcast revenue. Mm-hmm. And maybe they can redistribute by that. actually airing a race, you, and, and that's why I think Formula One is pushing so hard to get as many races in as possible. Right. Um, there, there's been, and the other thing I should mention is there's been a lot of talk about canceling the season out. And, and some sports have done this. Ross Braun has insisted that they will not make that decision until October at the earliest. If they need, if it looks like they can't hold races before then, but October is the last point that they can have eight races before the end of the year. Mm. And that's the requirements. They've got to have eight races. Well, and that makes sense. It. I don't know how the money makes sense to do uh, an event without a fan but it's no different than any of the other sports that have been talking about doing fan free events to continue to have an event yeah so the question becomes yeah 
it would be incredible if any sport, quite frankly, could start having events, even without fans in the building, so that they could start airing that stuff. But keep in mind for sports like, well, at least in the U.S., the U.S. stick and ball sports, my understanding is every single one, I know it's that way for baseball, and I'm almost positive it's that way for for football, and I'm I suspect it's the same for the others, is that the broadcast revenues, regardless of whether it's a local or a a national broadcast, it all goes into the same pot, Mm -hmm. regardless of of what that coverage is. And then it gets distributed to all the teams equally. I, I, I don't know. Well, we know that the broadcast revenue goes back towards... It goes into the pool of money. It goes into the prize fund. Right. Now, how are they going to keep people as whole as possible? I mean, because that's the goal. Mm-hmm. This is a three-legged stool. You've got broadcast, teams, and track. You've got F1, you've got the teams, and you've got the tracks, all supporting this three-legged stool. Everybody's got to have a piece of the pie, regardless of how big that pie is. Yeah. So how do they how do they square that and say, okay, we need to be able to have a race to get the broadcast money to get the the revenue to help support. Do the teams give up a little bit of prize funds so that the tracks can be kept whole? Because there's there's no racing if there's no track. So how do you how do you redistribute that? That's the hard part. Now yeah, and I don't have an answer to that. What are they, you know, are they making anything off of the re-airs that they're doing? Are they getting some influx on some of that? Um, so I don't know. That was rhetorical. I, yeah, I mean, I, I would assume that the e-races that Sky has been showing, that there, there may be some revenue over. But I don't know about the other historic races that they've been rebroadcasting on YouTube and Facebook. And I know they made F1 TV free for 30 days so that they can broadcast races. But I don't know. Because every time you broadcast that stuff, the sponsors are getting exposure. Yeah. So there is something there. Yeah. And that reminded me, I've got one story that we're going to add at the end about sponsorship exposure. Okay. Yeah. Um, so we talked about Silverstone. Uh, Zanvoort, in hearing uh, Ross Braun's comments, that they may consider, uh, Formula One may consider hosting races without fans. Zanvoort has come out and said that the thought of hosting, well, that hosting Zanvoort without fans would be unthinkable because, you know, they've been planning this event to be a celebration and to be a party and, and, you know, to commemorate the fact that this is F1's triumphant return to Zandvoort for the first time since 1985. And they, they can't imagine doing the event without fans. Mm-hmm. Of course, they also freely admit that Formula One hasn't come and talked to them about it. So they don't, they don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nothing's been nailed down on that just yet. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, Renault. Cyril Abitbull has said, if we have racing, if and when that comes, 
we're considering challenging the legality of the racing point card. Of course they are. Of course they are. <laughs> I mean, somebody's going to ch- challenge the legality of all sorts of things. Well, the, the, remember, the, the racing point car looks a whole lot like last year's, last Mer- year's Mercedes. And the allegation is that there is more collaboration in the design of that car is technically legal. Now, Racing Point insists that, no, we just looked at the pictures and we drew it just like the pictures <laughs> and we built it just like the pictures and we're allowed to take pictures and do that. Mm-hmm. So, now, they haven't said one way or the other what they're going to do. They considered doing it for Australia, but since Australia hasn't happened, they haven't decided what's going to happen next. Yeah. So, our last story. The bonus add-on story? Uh, bonus add-on story. Um, there's obviously, there's been a lot of e-racing going on right now. And a lot of drivers are getting it. There's actually, there's now a third Formula One e-racing series. This one's spun up by six Formula One drivers. Um, to Again, is it raising money for various relief efforts and various charities? Last weekend, by the way, um, the Ferrari team that was... Uh, Led by Charles and Arthur Leclerc. Oh my. Yes. Um, Charles actually won the race. Yay. Um, But he enjoyed it so much that he's decided to spin up his own uh, series. It's going to be three races, six drivers, all charity stuff. Um, Oh, and I should mention, the other thing I want to mention. Some of the drivers in, you know, are, are a bit more diligent in trying to stay fit and trying to stay trim and, and keep active. You know, you got Lando Norris, who's been all over the, the eSports thing with with his Twitch feed. He has gotten uh, George Russell mm-hmm. involved. Um, George, who, by the way, has said that, you know, he is not stepping back. He is still pushing really hard. He's, he's still training. A lot of pictures in his social media feed, uh, a lot of video of him doing various workouts and training sessions and all of that other stuff. And then there's Daniel Ricardo. Okay. Is he is he putting on the uh, COVID-15? Well, where you have George Russell putting up videos of workouts and how he's training, Daniel Ricardo shared a video of him seeing how many marshmallows he could shove in his mouth. <laughs> I saw that video. That was hysterical. <laughs> See, he's bored. (laughs) (laughs) And they weren't many marshmallows. No, they were the full-size marshmallows. Yeah, they were. So anyway, our our last story. So NASCAR is another one that that many of their drivers have been embracing esports and participating in events. Um, In particular, NASCAR has spun up the eNASCAR iRacing Pro Invitational Series. And we're about, at this point, four weeks in. Um, And... Unlike the ones that are going on with Formula One, which are sometimes it's Formula One drivers, sometimes it's commentators, sometimes it's random whoever that they've roped in. This is mostly NASCAR drivers. Um, Well, they still drum up controversy and drama, at least on the NASCAR side. So Bubba Wallace was one of 32 drivers competing in the Food City Showdown at a virtual Bristol Motor Speedway. Um, And he had 
the worst day of anybody in the field. Um, he wrecked during the 11th lap of the 150 lap race and was so upset by it that he ended up rage quitting the game. Oh my. Which, okay, fine. However, in response to this, he was dropped by his sponsor. Oh my. His real life sponsor. <laughs> okay. So, you know, what you do online matters, people. Yeah. Um, his short fuse not only gave him a disqualification in the virtual event, but after the incident, he took to Twitter to mock the blowback from his decision to rage quit because people went after him. He's like, the hell with it. I'm done. I don't want any part of this and walked off. Um, he went on Twitter to mock the blowback from his decision to rage quit um, and made it clear that he really wasn't taking it seriously. Um, so what he posted first was, Bahaha, I'm dying at my mentions right now. I ruined so many people's day by quitting a video game. Bahaha, a video game. Damn, quarantine life is rough. And then his sponsor, Blue Emo. Good to know where you stand. Bye-bye, Bubba. We're interested in drivers, not quitters. <gasps> Ow! On Twitter. You got dropped. fired on Twitter? Uh-huh. That's... For dropping out of an e-race and being a butthead. Wow. He got fired for being a butthead. Yeah. But, wow. Real life repercussions to this stuff. Hey. Um, you mentioned that there is other iRacing that's going on mm -hmm. and stuff. Don't forget that IndyCar has doubled down and embraced the iRacing. Is it all of IndyCar or is it just Alexander Rossi and his buddies? Um, well, it may be mostly Alexander Rossi and his buddies, but his buddies have big names. They, they do. Um, I will tell you this because the one of the... I mean, I follow... Alex and I follow a few other the IndyCar drivers, but I also follow uh, Bowles, the owner of oh yeah the Doug president Bowles. Of, Doug Bowles of the president of the Indianapolis uh, Speedway, and he recently congratulated over Twitter his stepson uh, Connor Daly Connor Daly for winning one of the various e racing experiences. <laughs> um, and then there was a, a talk about whether or not Connor Daly was going to have to go into quarantine with Alexander Rossi. <laughs> you know, well, there's they, a lot of uh, trash talk there. They, they've moved back in with each other. They have. Yeah. Um, and one of the, and I can't watch the e-racing, at least I can't watch these Twitch streams. I, it, it just, it doesn't work for me. One of the things that I have heard has been so fascinating. As much as the racing, their sprint races, there, there seems to be a lot of action going on. What everyone has really been raving about is the fact that the drivers interact with each other. This mm -hmm. is not like when you watch a normal Formula One race and the only people that the drivers can talk to are their race engineers. No, all the drivers who are participating in the event can interact with each other. And it's that interaction and that smack talking that's going on between everybody that everyone is saying has been so fantastic. Well, in a way, it's a completely different experience for everybody. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's a window into their true smack talking personalities, but them getting to poke at each other that yeah. they don't get to do on a, on a real race weekend. Or to poke at Johnny Herbert and Jensen Button and some oh, yeah. of these others who are participating in these. Right. I mean, on the Formula One side, I've been very pleased to see some of the people that have stepped up to just have a lot of fun. I mean, people are trying to make this okay. You know, 
they're they're trying to make it better and yeah. entertaining. Keep people's spirits up. Which is what we're doing. Which is why we had a show tonight. A long one too. A long one and one that you were not suffering from yeah. belly troubles. <laughs> I, I, I fear every time you go, I'm not feeling good, that everybody's <laughs> going to assume what you really have. But no, um, he has not coughed at all, period. And he doesn't have a fever. We check him regularly. And on that note, we'll call it a show. We are so glad you came. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye now. Bye. Bye-bye. Remember, please discard all candy wrappers and popcorn containers in the nearest trash receptacle. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Bye. (laughs) Okay. Are they all gone? Is is everybody gone? (laughs) Huh? Good. Oh my gosh, my cheeks are killing me. I can't keep smiling like this anymore. I am exhausted. I think I need a break. A little break? Okay. <laughs>